The separation of talent and skill is one of the, 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 the greatest misunderstood concepts for people who are trying to excel, who have dreams, that want to do things. Talent you have naturally. Skill is only developed by hours and hours and hours of beating on your craft. Nice Augusta, he was elected and praised. On the commission was where he made most displays. Voting and promoting everything was cool until he had an idea that made him look like a fool. Made a suggestion that he thought was real good, even though it wouldn't really help the neighborhood. Put it on the agenda without thinking it through. How about we name the expressway Trump Calhoun? figure i hit y'all with a little philly flavor to start out this latest episode of making a difference i'm your host ken Macon. so glad you decided to check in today with me as you see on the title we're going to talk about trolls and trump and you're probably wondering what in the world is ken talking about you know with that intro and we'll get to it in just a second just want to take care of a few priors uh if you have not followed the making a difference podcast you can do so on soundcloud and i would recommend that you do so you can go to soundcloud.com backslash making a difference you know you can bookmark that you know, in your browser, you can also and I actually would recommend that you do this more than anything else. Download the SoundCloud app and then you can follow the Making a Difference podcast. I would rather you guys do that. And what you can do that way once you download that app is you can follow Making a Difference and follow Making a Difference and a whole a whole host of other great podcasts. A few come off the uh, top of the dome real quick. More than the Masters. Also, the Smart Dumb podcast. I would encourage you guys to follow all of those. Hey, I'm always going to show love to my brothers, um, you know, offer that promo. But but definitely, <laughs> but, but, uh, if all else fails, make sure you follow the Making a Difference podcast. You can do so on SoundCloud. Also, congrats to the Philadelphia Eagles, America's team. <laughs> They're America's team because, let's face it, man, none of us want to see the Patriots win again. And verily, the Eagles took care of it. And so, uh, hey, it was some things, you know, are, are providence. And that it just so, so happened that, you know, I will start out the show with a little Will Smith. I actually had planned to do that before uh, Philly took care of business in the Super Bowl. But uh, look, here we are. So, but before we jump into the podcast, I uh, want to thank some sponsors real quick. want to thank my friends, Jesse and Doris Willard over at the uh, locally owned H&R Block at 2664 Tobacco Road in Hepzibah. Hey, I recommend them for two reasons. One, 25 years in the game. And two, because they just did my taxes and y'all, Y'all, I'm not even playing. This ain't even like advertising voice. This is legit. Hey, man, let them get your get your taxes right. Let them get your life right. Uh, 706-305-1412, 706-305-1412. Some people say, well, hey, I'm going to wait till, you know, March and April to get my taxes done. Look, I feel like the only brackets you should be worrying about in March and April are your NCAA tournament brackets. Uh, as far as uh, worry about your tax brackets right now, go ahead and get that out of the way. Hey, get a direct deposited two, three weeks. You'll have that money right back to you, man. And hey, let's face it. We all need a little more money in our life. Anyway, tax wise financial 706-305-1412, 706-305-1412. Also want to shout out my good friend, Lenzel Ponder over at AAA Iron and Fabrication over at 2517 Deansbridge Road, AAA Iron and Fabrication. We are ready to work for you. 706-738-8044, 706-738-8044. Now, I know some of you guys were uh, drawn in or pulled into the podcast 
with uh, some of the promo that we did. And we asked the question, you know, how would you feel about a black elected official who wanted to see a road or a street or expressway named after Donald Trump? And that's exactly what we have here in Augusta uh, in District 1. Bill Fenoy uh, has been looking to change the name of local expressway uh, that runs through his district for months. The name of that expressway is John C. Calhoun Expressway. If you're not familiar with who or whom John C. Calhoun is, John C. Calhoun uh, was a Southern politician. He was a proponent of slavery. He was a predecessor to the type of extremist politics that we see today. Duplicitous, incendiary, hypocritical, <laughs> and he hated Mexicans. If that sounds Trumpian to you, I completely understand. I actually had an opportunity to write a column about uh, some of Fenoy's concerns last March. So that uh, gives you an idea of just how long uh, Commissioner Fenoy has been championing this fight. Yet still the question remains, why name the expressway after Donald Trump? Uh, here's Fenoy in his own words talking with reporter Susan McCord. Colleagues know my position on the issue. They know uh, your position, but will they back you up? I think you have to ask my commissioners that. None of them seem to at this point. Well, that's their position. And are you make, are you drawing a comparison between Trump and Calhoun? It's an obvious comparison what between. What is the comparison? How are they alike? Because Trump used this position. He said that uh, we don't want uh, 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 people from Africa and Haiti to come to this country. That they should come from Norway. That's Lily White. Uh, 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 Trump talks about people of color being rapists, murderers. Uh, we don't need them in this country. Trump is talking about building a thousand mile wall to try to keep people out of this country. Trump is trying to send people that have lived in this country all of their lives that this is the only country that they know back to Mexico. I think that's wrong. I think that's racism and I don't support it. And I think that if uh, John C. Calhoun was alive today, that that would be his position, that if uh, 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 back during the uh, 1820s, if we had a candidate for president and it was uh, Donald Trump, he would choose John C. Calhoun as his running mate. If Calhoun was alive today, I think that Trump would rather have Calhoun as a running mate as opposed to Pence. All right, so I get it. Commissioner Bill Fenoy wants to mock Donald Trump. And, you know, on paper, that may be a good idea. I get, you know, where Commissioner Fenoy is trying to come from. Uh, the problem is you can't troll the troll, <laughs> especially in a manner that will anger your constituency. Um, let me want to address some things just first and foremost, because I feel like uh, Commissioner Fenoy veered in the wrong direction. There was an original uh, proposal. My understanding was to change it to Veterans Parkway. Now, Changing the name of this expressway from Calhoun, uh, Calhoun Expressway to Veterans Park, the John C. Calhoun Parkway or uh, changing it to Veterans Parkway, in my estimation, is a win win. Now, how in the world do you go from, OK, we're going to change it to Veterans Parkway or Veterans Expressway to Trump Calhoun Expressway? In my estimation, I, I think political ego uh, reared its ugly head in this situation. Now, let's start from the beginning and let's make something perfectly clear here. Commissioner Fenoy had really good intent and in wanting to change the name. I understand why it is that he wanted to change the name. Certainly, you know, when we look at 
you know, a number of things, you know, in, in, in American history and particularly in the South where you have individuals who, you know, were part of the Confederacy or, you know, were proponents of slavery. And we see their names on different things. I understand, you know, wanting to uh, take their names off of landmarks and streets and different things like that. But I also think there's a point when. In, in, in particular, in terms of wanting to name this thing Trump Calhoun Expressway, you know, there's also the element of want to create some controversy, of wanting to make a splash, of wanting to shock some folks. And when you do that, you know, there are times when you end up with a travesty like this and make no mistake about it. Trump Calhoun Expressway is not a is not a good idea in no way, shape or form. It misses the mark of, you know, wanting to be a troll. It misses the mark of trying to embarrass or make fun of Trump or his supporters or different things like that. Now, again, I want you all to understand this very clearly. I am not arguing the commissioner's intent, nor am I arguing whether the name should be changed. Here are some of my concerns, and this is the biggest concern for me is the priority of this within the framework of what the commissioner is trying to accomplish is very important. And this is something that I talked about again, 10 months ago. Firstly, what does changing the name of the expressway uh, really solve? What does it accomplish? Now it uh, modifies and rectifies history, you know, for the better in some ways. But if you are familiar with Augusta, if you're familiar with that particular expressway, you know, as you ride up and down that expressway, it looks over a food desert. There used to be a time where you could look, there was a a shopping center or a plaza there where there was a Kroger. That Kroger is no longer there. So here's a situation that you have again in the commissioner's district where if you used to go to that Kroger, now that Kroger is closed, where are you going to get fresh food? Where are you going to get your fresh fruits, different things like that? You either have to go down that expressway where it turns into Washington road and you have to go to that Kroger or you have to go across the river, go from Georgia to South Carolina to the Kroger of the Publics over there. Now, here's another thing. How do you get there if you don't have a car? There are more pressing issues in the commissioner's district that he should speak to with the same conviction and the same energy that he does with this um, particular topic of wanting to change the name. And still, it goes further. I had the opportunity to read. Uh, well, actually, someone on the uh, Making a Difference uh, Facebook page, if you haven't followed that, uh, by all means, please do so. Somebody on that or someone on that page uh, offered up a commentary from the Metro Spirit and the Metro Spirit uh, had a had a piece. And I would you know welcome you to go uh, to look at it. It says Calhoun is more than just a name. And it really uh, played up the commissioners uh, as I'm talking about his intent and, you know, his desire to really want to change this name really played it up in a, in a very positive, positive way. I think it's worth to read uh, because it, it speaks with a, a rare sense of, of optimism. Uh, that you, you really don't see in the Augusta media now. And I'll just, you know, read an excerpt uh, toward the end of it. It says, whether you agree with Fanoi's position or not about the expressway, it was real. He spoke from the heart and his voice had an impact. And while Fanoi didn't get the support he needed to change the John C. Calhoun Expressway to another name, such as the Veterans Highway during this week's committee's meeting um, or committees, Fanoi made his position made his position clear. This is important, not just for him, but the entire city of Augusta. And again, I can appreciate, you know, that that passion, that inspiration, my understanding of Augusta to know statistically where the city stands, particularly in terms of its black constituency. The name change 
is secondary to to more of these pressing issues. And those are the things that, you know, I would not not only just Commissioner Fanor, but I would like to see the commission on a whole attack some of those issues, attack, you know, wealth disparities, attack opportunity disparities. You know, it's we talk about, you know, all this, you know, job creation, different things like that. But, OK, it's, it's good to have jobs and to create jobs. But how are you getting folks to and from these jobs if you don't have, you know, the, the public transportation that's worthy, that's adequate? And in my estimation, you know, just looking at this from beyond the city perspective, looking at this from a, a political and from the two party system perspective, I think this is why it's so important to understand why you can't get lost in party politics, because I think this is the type of commentaries and dialogues that you get when you get lost in Republicans and Democrats and different things like that. When you get lost in individuals and I understand Trump, you know, is the president of the United States. But think about the things that Trump does as an individual or things that he may fall on, how long it takes to affect us at the local level versus an individual who keep in mind has been elected by the populace has been elected by his district to serve that district, to be in a position to create change, to allocate funding, to, you know, speak truth to power. And what are you doing with that power? What are you doing with that influence? You know, don't get frustrated. Don't you know want to take your ball and go home. Uh, so much because, hey, you know, I'm I'm not really getting the the results that I want to see on, on this name change. There are other things that you really can speak to. So ultimately what happened is the troll got trolled. <laughs> uh, one of his uh, fellow commissioners, Wayne Guilfoyle, actually, uh, they, he was uh, asked a comment about this deal. He said, well, there were there were two things that he said. The first thing he says, is, the only thing I can imagine is that Bill Fanoy is ecstatic on Trump's accomplishments. Because if you look at it, we're bringing home more money in our paychecks. There's job creation. Our stocks and our investments are going up considerably. And then later said, you know, he can't support it because it favors one party over the other. Uh, And then later on, Guilfoyle said, uh, so I'm taking it, you know, for what it's worth that Bill Fanoy was complimenting President Trump. And, (laughs) you know, I'm just just shaking my head, you know, at how this thing ultimately, you know, shook out. So to review, you have a black commissioner in a mostly black district in a mostly black city who is calling for a name change um to uh, a name change for an expressway uh to to for it to be named after donald trump and in a rare instance you had both black folks and white folks really just the community at large really look and say did did that really happen Literally everybody who uh, I talked to and asked about this, I I think, had the same reaction. It was a reaction of just they were just stunned, you know, at, you know, that that Fenor would even make such uh, such a suggestion. And ultimately, the greater point uh, that I think uh, Commissioner Fenor wanted to get get across, it was it was lost just in the controversy. I do want to say this before we go to commercial. Because on a personal level, I really understand what the commissioner was going through. Uh, you guys may remember last year, you know, I had an opportunity to speak to uh, the North Augusta City Council about a uh, an obelisk, a post-Civil War obelisk that, you know, talks about white supremacy and different things like that. And so I spoke to those city officials at that time. I was told by the mayor that they would put a committee together, you know, to decide what to do with that particular monument. And to date, you know, there haven't been any particular changes with the monument. And I had to ask myself some of those same questions and had some. And as I reflected and looked down the road, I had some of those same concerns about how I should fight that battle. And I learned two things. 
The first thing is when you take that type of stand, generally you're going to be on an island because people don't want to engage in something. Most people don't want to engage in that level of controversy. They don't have the time, don't have a lot of folks don't have the fortitude to really engage things like that. So you end up on an island. And my experience was people will cheer you on, but they will cheer you on from a distance. And that can be challenging in and of itself. But the other thing is, is that at a certain point, you have to really put these things in perspective. And instead of just, you know, beating on that particular issue, I really just as as someone who prides himself on, you know, understanding community concerns and in some ways being being an activist, really looking and saying, okay, well, what are some other issues that we can talk about? And so, you know, I had the opportunity to look at poverty, look at statistics in North Augusta, in Augusta, in Aiken, had a chance to talk to uh, the mayor of Augusta about this particular to, uh, that particular issue, um, Hardy Davis, about some of those topics and, and really look at the overwhelming issue of poverty in the area. And some people may not be able to, they may say, well, what, what's the, what's the correlation there? You know, what's, what's the difference? What makes one more important than the other? And it goes back to ultimately, I believe everything, you know, it, it, everything really boils down to economics. You know, we look at, you know, racism and, you know, we look at, you know, just different, um, just things that are, that are going wrong, you know, in, in the community, in our communities. And, I think you have to look at over a period of time what racism has meant for black folks in terms of denying us opportunities, in terms of why, you know, we're down the down the totem pole in terms of, you know, wealth and and wealth disparities. And it's like I had an opportunity to explain earlier and I have a chance to explain pretty frequently when you look at ever since black folks came over, you know, were for, uh, forced to immigrate to America uh, through the uh, transatlantic slave trade. It's just been one adversity after the other. When you look at slavery, when you look at Reconstruction, when you look at Jim Crow, when you look at the war on drugs, when you look at uh, prison privatizations to as you're listening to this podcast right now. Not only that, but just individual adversities in terms of, you know, land grabs, people losing their lives and their livelihood. You look at, you know, with the man being the traditional breadwinner in the family and how many Black men lost their lives uh, for standing up against social injustice, for saying, hey, we're not going to allow, you know, the KKK. Or we're not going to allow, you know, this disrespect of our families and how that dramatically changes a that can dramatically change a family. And what it means to have to deal with those issues. And ultimately, it breaks down uh, to it breaks down uh, economically. To where, you know, you look at statistics like, okay, well, the median uh, white family has over 100,000 in wealth and then the average black family is somewhere, you know, in the. I mean, around like less than two thousand dollars. And you wonder how how is it that you can have such wide disparities? And that's why it's just it's as simple as looking at history and as simple as being honest about history. And so the burden of responsibility now, particularly for our elected officials, and I believe black elected officials, is to understand what we have to do is is we have to create opportunities for our constituency as a whole. But particularly black elected officials in a mostly black city understand what that means. That means you can't be afraid to be a black person or black man or black woman that speaks to black issues as simple as that. And that's the, the challenge that. I've been speaking on and speaking to, you know, for these particular commissioners to do four years now.
And it's on them to to step up and to speak truth to power, not be afraid to do so. When we come back, uh, as we're talking about blackness, I want to talk about President Trump and I want to talk about the State of the Union, but I'm going to do it from a black perspective. Stay with us. You're listening to Making a Difference. My name is Lauren Macon and you are listening to Making a Difference with my handsome husband, Ken Macon. Hey, you. Yeah, you. Are you looking for affordable health care? Are you looking for a pharmacy that you can trust? Well, look no further than Medical Villa Pharmacy on 1520 Laney Walker Boulevard here in beautiful Augusta, Georgia. This may be a familiar voice to you. Hey, it's none other than Ken Macon from the hit show Making a Difference. And I just want to tell you about the fine folks over at Medical Villa Pharmacy. They're led by pharmacists, Dr. Marshall Curtis and Baron Curtis. And I tell you, they provide great service for many of us here in Augusta, Richmond County. They take Georgia Medicaid, insurance plans, charge cards, WIC vouchers, and they even provide free delivery service. The Medical Villa Pharmacy is conveniently located in the medical district near the Medical College of Georgia and Payne College, Medical Villa Pharmacy. They are dedicated doctors, medical mavens, and a blessing to the health industry. What more can I say but head to Medical Villa Pharmacy, 706-722-7355, 706-722-7355. Tax problems giving you the blues. Tax liens, levies, garnishments, unfiled tax returns, denied a passport because you owe back taxes. I'm Jesse Willard with your locally owned H&R Block in Hepsiburg. We have over 25 years of experience in representing clients with tax problems, and we can help you to jazz up your life. Contact us at 706-305-1412 to schedule your free consultation. H&R Block, the one you know and trust. You probably thought they only do port trillings and iron doors, but at AAA Iron and Fabrication, they do a whole lot more. They do grills, that's right. They fabricate custom grills for your cookout needs. They forge team-specific iron doors, meaning that you can show support for the Atlanta Falcons, the Georgia Bulldogs, or whichever team you love. Of course, they do a top-notch job with the services you are familiar with. They can make your porch look like new with hundreds of styles of railings, and they also provide security and style with window bars. AAA Iron and Fabrication is located at 2517 Deansbridge Road. They've been in business for decades and they take pride in serving the Augusta community and surrounding areas. AAA Iron and Fabrication, they are ready to work for you. AAA Iron and Fabrication, 706-738-8044, 706-738-8044. Tell them you heard this ad on Making a Difference and you'll get 15% off your order. Welcome back to Making a Difference. I'm your host, Ken Macon. As promised, I want to talk about Donald Trump. I want to talk about the State of the Union address uh, that happened last week. And I want to talk to you all about how I you know, personally uh, had a chance to uh, assess and look at what uh, President Trump had to say. Now, keep in mind, Making a Difference is a show that speaks to concerns in the black community and is not afraid to say, hey, what are you doing for African-Americans? What are you doing for black people, descendants of slaves? And so that's the perspective uh, with which I looked at the State of the Union address. I didn't you know, sit down and watch it live on TV. I actually sat down and read a transcript in its entirety to see what Donald Trump had to say. And I wanted to specifically see what he had to say about African-Americans. What did he have to say about black people? Now, looking at the transcript, of course, I you know, it, it really condensed the the commentary for me. I was able to, you know, read through that pretty quickly as opposed to, you know, listening through the clapping and all different things like that. But I want to share with you uh, some commentary that uh, President Trump had in regards to black people. Check this out. 
unemployment claims have hit a 45-year low. And something I'm very proud of, African-American unemployment stands at the lowest rate ever recorded. And Hispanic American unemployment has also reached the lowest levels in history. Small business confidence is at an all-time high. The stock market has smashed one record after another gaining $8 trillion and more in value in just this short period of time. The great news... The great news for Americans, 401K, retirement, pension, and college savings accounts have gone through the roof. Now, I can tell you from my part, there's a lot to unpack there, but I think the first and the most important thing uh, for me, again, you know, with the around, you know, framing this conversation around the concerns and needs of African-Americans of black folks in this country is uh, to me, it's very telling that literally the only thing that uh, President Trump, that Donald Trump had to say about black folks in his entire State of the Union address, which, as you all know, went on and on and on uh, for a period of time. The only thing he had to talk about was uh, a black statistic with a negative connotation, black unemployment, almost as if to say, you know, uh, if black folks uh, aren't working, then that's the only thing I care about. That's the only concern I have. And, and that's very telling, you know, in a, in a commentary, in a conversation where, you know, you talk about, uh, you know, national security, where you talk about, you know, uh, wa- uh, wages, different things like that. The only thing you have to say that you put the that you put or characterize with black folks is unemployment. And so that right there, I think, is really telling in terms of how Donald Trump feels about African-Americans or beyond that, how Donald Trump feels that he needs to talk about African-Americans to appease his base. And that's a very unhealthy conversation um, because and just to have the general understanding of, OK, life in America for black folks, as I you know, ex- explained earlier from slavery to the present day, there have been, you know, certain levels of, of adversities and things that we've had to deal with very real economic adversity that is challenging in and of itself. But when you allow, you know, rhetoric and stereotype to dictate policy, to dictate how people feel about African-Americans, it's very dangerous to have the president of the United States get up and say, well, the only thing I, I got to say about black folks is unemployment. And let's also look at how he framed the conversation about black and uh, black unemployment to say, Hey, it's the lowest it's been in. It's the lowest ever recorded. Now let's break that down too, in terms of facts. Now it's look, they've only recorded it for the last, I think since 1972 was when they first started uh, recording that statistic. That's the first thing you have to, that, that you have to look at. The other thing that you have to look at is, okay, if you know, as the president, you want to take credit for the statistic, you know, it's that's like me walking outside and saying, OK, um, the weather's great today. Uh, thank me, <laughs> you know, with and basically taking credit for the weather, weather, which is silly for a number of reasons, because, of course, the first thing being that, you know, 
the weather has to do with more factors, you know, that factors that are beyond my control. So to come out and, you know, take credit for that would, would be foolish. It is, if not short sighted, it's it's really arrogant. And of course, that describes Donald Trump to the T, uh, you know, in, in terms of his policy, in terms of his interactions with the American public in general, and especially with African-Americans. But let's get to the meat of the discussion. When you talk about black unemployment, you have to look at that in, in, in relationship to also white unemployment. And still, even with black unemployment being at a percentage, I believe it's at 7.7. And since Trump made that commentary, it's gone back up to 7.8. Uh, it's still uh, double that of white unemployment. So that's just a statistic you have to look at. But the more pressing concern for me, and it's always been, is when you really look at wealth inequality. And uh, as we you know, continuing that uh, that vein in that conversation, I want to share with you a story that actually uh, posted to Forbes.com. This uh, posted actually last September, and it talked about how median wealth of black and Latino families could hit zero by the middle of the century. It says income inequality has been getting worse, which suggests that the wealthiest, typically meaning whites, are getting wealthier. According to a new study, the imbalance will shift so far that median black and Latino households will lose the little relative wealth they have by about the time people of color form a majority of households in the United States. By 2053, black households will have a median wealth of zero. It will take Latino households another 20 years to drop to the same level, according to an analysis by Nonprofits Prosperity Now, formerly CFFD, CFED and the Institute for Policy, Policy Studies. Now, keep in mind, that's not just savings. That is everything. When you talk about wealth and again, they're talking about black median families. They're talking about, you know, everyday black folk, how when you talk about wealth, you're talking about savings, you're talking about assets, you're talking about your car, you're talking about all of those things. And to say that that is going to hit is going to bottom out, literally be at zero for the average black family by 2050, which is to say in 30 years, this is uh, how things are going to look economically. That's a conversation that needs to be had. That's a conversation that if you're going to look at the look at statistics as the president, you know, is supposedly doing or and clearly he's picking he's picking things out. But let's look at this situation and look at it for what it is. I mean, this is a, a crisis situation. This is why it's and this is why I go back to Fanoi's original commentary and why I, I say you can't troll a troll. Trump's a troll and Trump uh, is a is a dangerous troll for two reasons. He's a troll because, number one, he's going to say anything and everything he can to appease and satisfy his base but beyond that he also is going to be buoyed and is going to be powered by a media that to me still doesn't understand the power and the influence that it has in order to boost trump up whether he does the right thing or whether he does the wrong thing whether he says the right thing or whether he says the wrong thing and that's where we are with trump right now because as sure as you're born as soon as he made that com those comments about black, about black unemployment it went out everywhere and so people twisted that and turned that for their, you know, for their own agendas. Now, I want to talk about a particular group of folks who uh, were actually in the building when Trump made that made those comments. And that was, of course, the Congressional Black Caucus. I saw them, you know, Trump made those comments. They didn't clap. They were silent. Two things I want to say about that. Now, they were I understand they all they, they came there in solidarity. They were dressed in Kente cloth, which I mean, I understand the idea. I get it. Unity. That's great. I mean, it's great for, you know, uh, a black party, view, a black Panther <laughs> movie viewing, you know, to, to wear the uh, Kente cloth. And I'm not saying certainly this is an Afrocentric show. I just the the look to me doesn't match, 
you know, the the urgency that was needed for that moment. And it, it doesn't match the uh, consistently attacking the if, if 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 you're anxious with Trump, to me, silent protest doesn't work there. I want to give you an example. I am actually doing this podcast from South Carolina in South Carolina. There is a you may remember a Republican uh, lawmaker by the name of Joe Wilson. Joe Wilson uh, is most famous for when President Obama uh, made, I believe his, it was his first State of the Union. Joe Wilson said two words that will probably get him reelected here from now until forever. He said, you lie. And everybody said, well, you know, and of course he was out of order and it was in poor taste. But it's about understanding that it's about understanding the power of effective protest. And I think that's uh, some uh, a place where as African-Americans, we, we got to evolve. We have to evolve as lawmakers. We have to evolve as individuals. And we have to understand what is effective protest is effective protest. I mean, there are times where you can be silent. There are times where you need to speak out. And at this moment, at that particular moment, that was a time that the Congressional Black Caucus needed to speak out. They needed to they needed to say something and say it in a way that clearly explained when, you know, who Trump is and what those statistics stood for. And when he said what he said, somebody in that crowd should have said something. They should have said, you lie. They should have said, thanks, Obama. Any and every and any at it, say something. Don't let that go unchecked. And that's my issue with the Congressional Black Caucus is so much stuff goes unchecked. And so many things, you know, that that were said that so many things that were left unsaid, even when President Obama was in office and nobody likes to talk, talk about this. But we really got to go back and look at those eight years, the, uh, the eight years of President Obama and look at what did he really do for black people? And I'm not talking about a rising tide lifting all boats, blah, blah. I'm talking about what can you point to and say, OK, this is what was done for black people. And that is important. And as we're seeing Trump do all of these different things. And I understand he's got the house, he's got the Senate, so on and so forth. But we got to start asking those tough questions and moving forward. We got to say, OK, whomever the elected official is black, white, Hispanic, whomever. There's a constituency, there's a population that is in a crisis situation that demands your immediate attention. And we need you to speak to us. And we don't need you to get offended when we put the name black on it. That's that's how I feel about politics is currently constructed. When you say black, um, when you say African-America, people start getting all tense. But you can talk about all this other stuff. You can talk about dreamers, this and LGBT that, uh, you know, LBGT that. And, you know, I don't mind those things. But again, people, you know, those groups have individuals who speak truth to power in crucial moments. And it's about time that we get the same from the Congressional Black Caucus. Let's not be so reactionary. It's time to to be proactive. And more importantly, it's time to practice what you preach, not just at the State of the Union, not just when you can dress up and look nice, but speak to these issues perpetually. Speak with the understanding that we are in a crisis situation. We're in a crucial, crucial situation as it relates to black wealth. More than ever, this is a time for black politics, not party politics, not Republican politics, not Democratic politics, black politics. First of all, an understanding that effective leadership and representation that speaks to black issues is important, not black celebrity, black issues, black concerns, rampant poverty. Speaking to economic opportunities, we need official uh, 
black elected officials, or really any elected officials that need to speak to that, but particularly African-Americans, my goodness, understand what's going on in community, in your communities, understand what's really at stake. We can't get lost in, in the sauce with, with, with Trump because Trump, Look, has his own fuel. Trump knows how to how to gas up a situation. He's got media. He's got money. He's got his base that can power those things for him. But what do we what do we have in the black community to speak to those same concerns? Where's our media? Where's our money? Where are our resources? And a lot of times the last line of defense for us just happens to be our elected officials. And that's why we as individuals, that's why we as individuals, you know, certainly uh, myself in the position that I'm in. Hey, I'm going to challenge these individuals. I understand, you know, that's and that's not always a popular thing because you say, well, you know, uh, we ought to keep that stuff in house. You know, black folks going at black folks. And I'm I'm not here for that. What I'm here for is I have an understanding of what black people need, what the black. I'm hesitant to say community because we're, we're so disjointed. I, I say black people, what black people need. And I speak to those things and I'm not afraid to say whomever you are. If you're in a position where you're able to allocate tax um, uh, taxpayer funds, if you're in a position where, you know, you have a, a pulpit literally or figuratively where you can say, hey, this is wrong or, hey, this is how we should be doing things. And you don't speak to those things. Then we got an issue. We got a serious problem. And that's that's where we are right now. And it's important that when you share these messages, you share it with boldness. And that's what I try to do here with making a difference. I, uh, As I mentioned earlier, watch the Super Bowl and just one of the most disgusting things I've seen. Uh, was the commercial that that Ram did where they uh, invoked uh, or, or rather, no, not, I'm not going to say invoked. They actually pulled uh, a quote, pulled commentary from uh, the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr.'s uh, drum major instinct sermon. And they used it to basically sell cars to pitch to sell cars. Now, I mean, the, the, the crash commercialism of it in and of itself is disgusting, but the sheer hypocrisy of it, if you really understand you know, where what that speech was about. It was a speech that literally was an anti-capitalism speech. It was a, it was literally a speech where Dr. King said, hey, <laughs> keeping up with the Joneses is not where it's at. You know, we you don't go out here and spend all your money on a car. And Dr. King said just that. But what happens is, is that we've allowed. So we've allowed black folks, black celebrities, black ideas to be co-opted by the establishment for so long that when it's time to rein some of this stuff in, when it's time to really help people understand what do our heroes represent? What do these ideas represent? Then we're not able to draw on them and people don't understand where the, where the outrage is and and what's going on. So this is how I'm going to close out the show. And this is what, where I want to challenge you know, everybody who's listening to this podcast, you know, we celebrate these things. You know, we have Black History Month. I say it's Black Panther Month because the movie's coming out on the 16th. Black History Years. This is why I have such a passion for talking about, you know, things that are going on with black people. Black history, why these things are so important, because you have to understand who Dr. King was, who he was in 1963 and who he was in 1968. Two different people. In 1968, Dr. King was a champion of economic justice in a way that, quite frankly, let and quite simply led to his assassination. When you have a man that comes out and says, OK, we got to do something about this minimum wage. When you have a man who comes out and says, hey, look, you know, we, we got to start uh, um, spending our money more wisely and, and more resourcefully. When you start challenging everything and everyone, the government, when you start challenging liberals, when you start challenging individuals to do better and to do better very specifically 
for black people in a way that galvanizes and inspires the community and to have that snatched away. I mean, that that's the blueprint. The blueprint isn't something where you say, you know, this is for for everybody. No, no, no. I'm here to say this is for black people. And I'm proud to say that. And that's the paradigm shift that has to happen in our community with our elected officials among us. We got to have black black pride. And it's not something where it's about being anti-white or anti this or anti that. It's about being pro-black and being proud of being pro-black. That's my word for today. Appreciate the sponsors. Appreciate your support uh, in a in a mighty way, in a way that you guys don't just I, I don't think you can even begin to understand, man. People are reaching out saying, hey, you know, when's the next podcast? When's the, you know, this and that? And you guys are sharing the stuff and you're, and you're doing it in a great way. I just want to challenge you as I always do to just be better as individuals. I always want always want to challenge you to, you know, you can keep up with the making a difference movement. You can, you know, sh- uh, share these posts. You can follow us on SoundCloud, follow us on follow us on YouTube. You can follow uh, follow me on Twitter. A lot of different avenues to do so. I'm going to keep it honest. And I'm always encouraging you guys, whether you agree or whether you disagree, to join the commentary. And some, some of you guys have been faithful about that as well. And that's all I got to say for the moment. Looking forward to uh, some things that are coming down the pike here. Uh, looking forward to talking to the school superintendent over in Aiken County, Dr. Sean Alford, uh, friend of the show. We've talked to him a number of times. Uh, he is putting together an, an initiative to rezone uh, some of the schools in Aiken County. It, it's been, it's a controversial plan, uh, mostly because in what he's looked at is he said, OK, we've got certain pockets of poverty that exist in this uh, school system. We want to try to level it out. And we're going to do th- do so through rezoning. And that has you know caused a lot of angst among people. I, for one, am a proponent of anyone who looks at societal issues, looks at deep seated concerns, understanding the correlation between poverty and education or lack thereof and says, you know what? It's my job. It's my duty to look at the statistics and try to do something about it. And so we're going to ask uh, Dr. Alford about it. We're going to get his words on that. And I want you guys to uh, stay tuned and look for that real soon. Gosh, I'm just I'm just so grateful for you guys, man. I'm so passionate about the things that I talk about on the show, man. Love you guys so much. Peace. and God bless. All right. So the episode just ended and you're mad. M.A.D. making a difference, but you're also mad because the episode is over. But here's the deal. The movement continues. It continues on social media and far beyond social media, Facebook, Twitter. You can go to facebook.com backslash making M-A-K-I-N a difference show and you can keep up with social commentaries. You can also know when the podcasts are coming out. You can also know when our video logs are coming out. And that's the way you can keep up with that is facebook.com backslash making a difference show. You can also keep up with us on Twitter. My Twitter handle is difference making. That's D-I-F-F-E-R-E-N-C-E making M-A-K-I-N. If you want to follow the SoundCloud podcast, you can do so by going to soundcloud.com backslash making a difference. If you're interested in advertising with making a difference, you can shoot an email to making M-A-K-I-N a difference show at gmail.com. That's making a difference show at gmail.com. Thank you so much for your support. I love you guys. Peace and God bless. You win. Perfect.